Today, we consider thinking about how we can be intentional about making spiritual progress in our life. Something we've been talking about for a while, but the question's the same. What will you consistently do to move forward in your spiritual life? Welcome to Run With Horses. My name's Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. I'm not perfect at it. I'm still on the journey myself. But I recognize there are a lot of different parts to the journey. But our foundation is the same for every one of us. It needs to be built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on the prize and keep making steps forward in your spiritual journey. That's really our goal. And as we think about our goals, you know, we've, we're in the new year now, and it's still kind of a... <laughs> Uh, it's kind of a shock almost that we're in another year that last year to me was a uh, a train wreck in many ways. But, but here we are in 2024 and the questions that we were asking last year are the same questions we're asking this year. We all ultimately want to know, what do I do today? How do I live my life? How should I live my life? What's important? What's not important? How do I determine what that is, and it feels like it's a moving target most of the time. So, you know, in the last few weeks of last year and then getting started back this year, we're looking at our priorities, our goals, who we are, how God made us, and all of those kind of things, and we're working toward developing a plan to live your life. And, you know, really, I can't get into the details for anybody else. I can only work on that myself. But if you follow along and think through your life, take notes, do some of the things that I, I recommend, I think you'll be in a better place to evaluate where you are and to make good decisions about how to go forward. So last week, I listed a few priorities that I think are, they're non-negotiable. They have to be at or near the top for everybody. And the first one is the first one. God must be first. And we looked at Exodus 20. We also looked at Mary and Martha as examples of putting Jesus above even serving other people. So an idea that I come back to a lot in my own life, and I think it's worth considering, is this idea of good, better, best. You know, good, doing good is often the enemy of the best. You can get wrapped up in, in doing good things and not even look for better things. And certainly you can be distracted from pursuing the best things. So God has to be first and that relationship with him uh, should dominate everything else. Now, when you do that, one thing that you recognize is the second thing that I put on there is that our character counts. It's one thing to know who God is and to know the truth. It's another to pursue it and be pursuing becoming the kind of person that God wants you to be. Who you are matters. Your character matters. And that means the things that go on in your mind that no one else sees matter. The choices that you make that no one else knows about, those also matter. So, I, you know, it's important to be developing our character, to be developing into the person that God wants us to be. It's not enough just to know truth, to be aware of it, <laughs> to be able to win an argument, but to be the person that God wants you to be. I think that means often that we don't have those arguments, <laughs> that we're a different, a different kind of person. So our character matters. Transformation of life 
matters. That is what God's doing in your life. And I think it helps us to recognize how important this should be, that personal transformation, when you consider that God doesn't need your help to accomplish His plan. Now, He does invite us in. He does allow us to be part of what He's doing, but He certainly doesn't need you. He can do it without you, but He allows you to be part of it. I think that's pretty cool. That It's, it's incredible that God allows us to be part of it, but recognize that His purpose, even in allowing us to be part of His plan, ultimately is to change us. He's doing His work, and He can do that just fine. But He allows us to be part of His mission because it changes our view of life in the world when we look at other people and we consider what God is actually doing, who He is, uh, how He works in the world. It makes a difference in our life. That act of being personally involved in His great mission of reconciliation is part of what changes us. I think that's important. So this transformation in your life, your character, really matters. Uh, we looked at Romans 5, 3 to 5, and Galatians 5, 22 and 26, at the fruit of the Spirit there, just thinking about this work that God is doing in us. Then if we put God first and very close behind that, we're actively engaged in working on our life to become the person that God wants us to be. One thing you recognize is that our relationships really matter. God is doing something in the world, and He is uh, using people to do it. The relationships that we have are often the vehicle for this life change, not just in our life, but in other people's lives. You know, one way I often think about the relationships and how important they all are is by considering all of the different relationships and kinds of relationships that God has given us. So we have this relationship with God. That's the primary one. Uh, If you're married, you have a relationship with your spouse, and that would be your second relationship. Uh, It would have to be because, you know, the Bible tells us that the two become one. Well, (laughs) it's... If you're working on yourself, you have to be working on and with your spouse, too. And I think this is one of the things that makes marriage either one of the most awesome things in the world or one of the most challenging. If you grasp the truth that God has given you this special relationship and an opportunity to invest in someone else for eternity— at a level that you really can't with anyone else other than yourself. You get to know your spouse better than anyone else. You know what their struggles are. You get to know what their trials are. You get to know uh, what what their hurts are, what their history is. You get to know their gifts. You get to see at a, a very close and personal level their relationship with God. That's that's awesome. Uh, that That is an amazing thing. So that relationship with your spouse is incredibly special, and you have a great opportunity to grow not just yourself, but to grow with your spouse, to grow in that relationship and to grow in that relationship with Christ at the center. So that that's a special relationship that has to be hugely important to us when we think about the different relationships God has given us. If you're married and you have children, uh, you have another group of of relationships. Uh, If God has given you a child, 
Uh, and I guess I said, if you're, if you're married, but if you're not married, if, you, if God has given you children, you have a special relationship with your children. You have a special responsibility with your children. I think, you know, go back and look at Deuteronomy 6, and, and you can see the, the need to be constantly engaged in this mission of helping your children to be the, the people that God wants them to be. It's similar to your relationship with your spouse in that you see that relationship grow over time uh, from a very close perspective. You get to know things about your children and your spouse that you don't really get to see with people outside of your family or at least people outside of your home that you live with. If you have roommates, you might get close with some people, but it is a different relationship. You have different opportunities to speak to your your children, and I think that's a tremendous uh, a tremendous blessing. When we think about our priorities, we think about the life that God's given us. You have to pursue Him first. You have to pursue that relationship with your spouse, but the one with your children is is important, and it's it is one that changes over time. You know, when you have a, an infant. Your spiritual conversations with your in- infant are probably limited. <laughs> now, saying that, I know Susan and I t- had conversations with our children when they were, you know, nine months old, 14 months old, and we're having spiritual conversations kind of at them. <laughs> They're not really participating. But for us, that was part of practicing putting Jesus first in this relationship. So when we would explain to them why they needed to do something or not do something, we tried to help them understand how this fit into the the bigger picture. And that's even as infants, that was more about us practicing that and developing that routine than it was about our children. But there was never a time when that wasn't part of our relationship. So I think that's important. Now, if you have God first and you have your family, then there's another family that God's given you that I think is uh, equally important, if not in in some ways more important, your relationship with a church family. And why would I say potentially more important? Well, unfortunately, there are those who have a family who are not believers, which means your relationship with those people whether it's your spouse, children, brother, sister, mother, father, um, is limited to this lifetime. But your relationship with a church family is eternal. Uh, There is never a time going forward when you won't have a relationship with them. Now, maybe not day to day, but they will be there in eternity. These are people that you have the potential to relate to, and I, I don't know how that works out. Uh, in eternity, but I know that they will be there and you will be there and Christ is still at the center. So that's an important relationship because it is long-term and a lot of the the work of the church, church the responsibilities of the church um, relate to this relationship. I, you know, I constantly go back to the one another's in the New Testament. You know, when it says even simple things, like encourage one another, Okay, we say that's a simple thing, but that's not a simple thing. One of the big things in life today that people need is to be encouraged. And yet, we struggle to be encouragers. Now, there are people who have the gift of encouraging, and they don't struggle to be encouragers. But for a lot of us, that that's probably not the first thing on your mind. 
Um, and you can go to all of the one another's and recognize there are some where people are just have that natural bent and they do that just without thinking about it. But there are others who have to work at those things. But all of those one another's make up this special relationship. They tell us what it should be like. And as I go through those, I'm always just struck by how intensely personal they are. You really have to have a relationship with someone to live out the one another's well. You you can't really do it with strangers. And it does seem like there are a lot of times, at least in my life, when I've been part of a church body that... You know, I really felt like they're mostly strangers to me. I mean, I know their names, and I know a few things about them. But whether it's because I was new or because I was passing through, so in in college, you know, you're not a long-term part of this body, so you don't really have a chance to get to know everybody very well. So there are people that, for various reasons, go, well, I'm not really very close with these people. And that makes living out the one another's much more difficult, maybe uh, impossible. I, I think often it does come down to intentionally building that relationship. So how am I doing that? What am I doing to intentionally get to know people in my church? And I think we struggle with that, particularly, um, you know, honestly, this is not my strong point. I'm reasonably self-sufficient and I am uh, tend to be busy doing things. You know, I have lots of uh, things that I want to accomplish or things that I want to do. And I, I'm trying to be helpful and use my gifts to build up others. But to to think about just stopping and having a cup of coffee with a church member, that's not always the first thing on my mind. You know, to get together f- with a meal for somebody, that's, that's not always the first thing that comes to mind. So I have to work at that. And that's something that I, I need to continue to develop my ability to think relationally with uh, people in the church. So that, that's a special relationship. So we have four relationships I've mentioned so far. Relationship with God, spouse, children. You, can, you could put that into one if you wanted to, but I divided it out because they are, it is a different relationship. And then your church family. So you have four very special relationships there. But there's one more that is uh, incredibly important, and that's the relationship with unbelievers. You know, we are left in this world. Once you accept Christ, really, there's no reason to leave you here if you're not on mission, right? If you're ultimately, if if God's purpose is to uh, prepare you for fellowship with Him, once you're saved, then He should just take you on. But that's not what He does. Uh, He leaves you here because He has a purpose for you. You have an opportunity to be part of what He's doing. He invites you into His plan and His purpose. So that is very much... Uh, something that relates to other people in the world who are outside of the church family. So you have a relationship with people out in the world who many have no spiritual interest, many have uh, little to no knowledge of spiritual things. So how do you relate to them? How do you um, build a relationship with someone who from the center out, is very much unlike you in key ways. Now, there's a lot of truth 
to the idea that we're, we're not that much different from everyone else. <laughs> you know, we, we still have sin nature. We still, depending on how late in life you were saved, you still have a lot of the same tendencies. That, that transformation that we talked about, that God is working, is not an instant process. It's not something that happens overnight. It takes some time. But um, it does make us different. So how do you relate to people who are largely unlike you? Well, that relationship's really important. So think about all these relationships and how important they are. That's going to affect how we live our life. Okay, probably a little longer than I wanted to go into that, but I think that's really important. Those relationships really are the center of life. Now, everything else in life, uh, your career, where you live, what you drive, you know, a, a lot of responsibilities in the community, they're relational, so they really matter. But the things that are not relational, how much do those really matter in the long run? And I have to question that. <laughs> I, do, I really don't know that things that don't impact your relationship with God, your family, the church family, or unbelievers. I'm not sure how important a lot of those things are. So even the way that you do your job is probably more important than how much you get paid. Um, it's God is relational, and He's doing something with people. He's not building up the world to be a better place. I know some people like to think that uh, there are different views about what God's doing in, he, in this world, this earth, and uh, I personally think that it's going downhill. I think that ultimately he will come back and he will remake the, the world the way it, it was in the Garden of Eden, the way he intended for it to be. But it's not that way now, and it's going downhill. So it's not getting better. So he's not trying to use us to build up something beautiful in the earth now. He's building something beautiful in our relationships. So that helps us. We go back to where I started. I don't know. It's probably been or four weeks, I ask about Peter Drucker's five questions. What's your mission? Who's your customer? What is your customer value? What results do you seek? And what is your plan? And I kind of shared, you know, I, in some respects, there's not a lot of value in this. You know, we're not a company. We're not a C, you're not a CEO of your life. But if you answer some of those questions um, from what God's word says, it does actually help you. What is your mission? Well, God gives you that. Who's your customer? Well, actually, it's God. It's not. It's not the world. It's we have a completely different way of looking at life. What is your customer value? Well, if you said that Jesus is your customer, He's the one that you're living your life to please. That's what we mean by customer. Then I want to know what He values. That's going to drive me back to His Word. Of what results do I seek? Well, what should be the result of my life? What is God looking to see? Well, transformation. Transformation personally, transformation in my relationships. And then what is your plan? And that's kind of where we're working toward. What is your plan? So I asked the question a few days ago. What will you prioritize and pursue in your life? Because this is where the rubber meets the road. The things that you prioritize and pursue are the things that make it into your plan. If it's not important to you, if you're not going to prioritize it, if you're not actually going to do something about it, it's not that important. Uh, you're not going to spend a lot of time with it. So you have a lot to think through when you consider that. Now, I've given you those top three, or at least a few things that I think should be in your top three. But your life is 
complex. I think most people consider it complex. I actually consider it pretty simple. Once you have those big three or four priorities in place, everything else flows from that. I'll give you an example. When I was in college, um, I had a, I was in a college and career Sunday school class. The guy who taught it challenged us, and I'd never heard this before, and this is part of what really greatly impacted me, and I may have shared this on the show before, but he said, you know, when you leave here and you go out looking for a job, you're going to get a job offer in so-and-so town. He said, that's, that's fine. That's great. But you need to go to the town and say, does God have a church here that he wants me to be part of? Because if you go there and say, yeah, there's just not a church here that I really feel like is my church home, that job's not for you. Because today in the world, God is working in and through the church. He, he wants you to be part of that. That's crystal clear. So if there's not one there, that job's not for you. You're supposed to be somewhere else because God does have a place for you. He does have a church for you. The only other option is that God wants you to start one. And, I mean, that's it. God has a a church here for you to belong to, or He wants you to start one. And honestly, recently I've been thinking a lot more about this. I think a lot more of us should be considering starting one. Um, We don't have anywhere near enough churches to do the work in the world today. I think about the United States, our population keeps growing uh, much faster than our churches. And some people love the big mega churches and really large churches. It takes a lot of work to grow one of those. And then they only reach a percentage of the population. We need a lot of new churches. We need a lot of smaller churches that are mobile and that are focused on reaching um, smaller demographics in the community. So we're thinking about what place does God have in my life? I mean, I have to start, that affects every question, every um, everything that comes up in life has to go back to who is God? What is God doing? What is God doing in my life? What place does he have in my life? I, I'm not going to come up with any healthy answers without starting with God. So work is important. I mean, to a degree, you have to work, right? You have to have uh, the ability to pay your bills. You need food. If you have a family, you need to be able to provide for your family. But how important is your work? What comes before work? So if you ask a question about work, you have to start with the things that come before work. You can't start with work and saying, hey, I've got a job offer. Is this the job for me? That, you can't start there. You have to start with, who is God? What's God doing? What's God doing in my life? And as I answer those questions, I'll get down to, okay, given who God is and what God's doing in my life, I've been offered a job. How does this job offer fit into the work that God is doing in the world, and the work that God is doing in my life. Because if I answer that, yeah, I don't really think that I can't see any way that it does. Okay, that's not a job for you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, Often we look at our careers 
and assume that you just climb up the ladder. You know, you take the the raises when you get them and you take the opportunities for advancement. That's not always the best thing. Often advancement comes with, it does come with more money, but it also comes with more responsibility. Uh, sometimes it comes with less time free to spend on that work of transformation that God's doing in your life, to spend on your church family, to spend with your immediate family, your spouse and your kids. That means that promotion was a bad thing for you. <laughs> Just full stop. Bad thing for you. If it takes you away from God, takes you away from your family, um, if it was just extra money, but you were covering all your bills before, bad move. It's never going to help you to take time away from God. It's going to hurt your family life. It actually will ultimately hurt your work life. Uh, It will hurt your personal view of yourself. Uh, You will be less healthy. You'll have less joy. I mean, just you can't uh, just pursue a career and say, well, it's not related to my spiritual life. It absolutely is. Everything in life, every choice in life absolutely is related to your spiritual life, full stop. Uh, that's hard for us to grasp sometimes, to get our minds around. We, we want to separate that things out into categories and say, hey, we have all these different areas of life and they're in nice little boxes and uh, I can do whatever I want to in this box because nothing bleeds over into that box. Not true. Um, And the box that should affect all of them is the big one. Uh, Your relationship with God and what he's doing in the world, that that is the one that all the other boxes are inside. (laughs) So that one absolutely has to affect every other box. So we're going to take a quick break. But first, if you're looking for an interesting and educational podcast, to listen to, I have a good one for you. This is Chris Starin, and he puts on the Truce podcast, and I have found it incredibly interesting. So take a listen and see what you think. In 1925, two men faced off in a courtroom in Dayton, Tennessee. The issue on the table, do parents have the right to stop the teaching of evolution in public schools? On one side, Mr. Fundamentalism himself, William Jennings Bryan. On the other, Clarence Darrow, the most famous lawyer in the country and an outspoken atheist. This was the Scopes Monkey Trial, the first American show trial to be broadcast across the nation. Some see it as a man of God standing against a tide of godlessness, others as an example of fundamentalism run amok. We all have our opinions of this trial, and I can pretty much guarantee we're all getting it wrong. This season on the Truce Podcast, we're digging into the history of Christian fundamentalism, from the beginnings of evangelicalism to this courthouse in rural Tennessee. Along the way, we'll talk to historians like George Marsden, Joel Carpenter, Michael Kazin, and Kevin Belmonte. And I have a fascinating chat with Jacob Goldstein, co-host of the Planet Money podcast. And then he's like, okay, let's let's do this. Like, we're taking the fight to them. And then the crowd just goes wild. Truce is the podcast that dives deep into our history to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce wherever you get your podcasts or visit trucepodcast.com. Season 5 begins February 1st, 2022. 